Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs with ConnectingVets.com. Now this week we're going to hear what happens when we pair veterans with some of Nashville's best songwriters. We'll hear some of the incredible music that they make together through the program Operation Song. And even more importantly, how music, especially the songwriting process, has an impact on their lives more powerful than the piles of prescription drugs. We recently went behind the music to learn about Operation Song from Executive Director and Army Combat Veteran Mike Byer. Yeah, so Operation Song is an organization that pairs Nashville songwriters with veterans and their family members to tell their stories. Uh, since 2012, we, we've written over 1,300 songs with veterans of World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Um, and I look at it as, you know, we're recording history. These songs and, and these stories that we hear, you know, for instance, we, we, we wrote a story with a 103-year-old World War II veteran. Uh, the song is called Devil Don't Want Me. And uh, it's just an incredible song, but there's history in it, you know, and it's, it's Tommy. His name is Tommy Gwynn. And, uh, you know, that's Tommy's story. And, uh, you know, that's other World War II veteran stories and that's other, you know, veteran stories. So it's just it's just an incredible experience to be able to do this. And, um you know, after retiring myself and going through the program, I, I consider myself every day very fortunate to be a part of it. Share with me a couple of artists that, you know, just in the country music world that you guys have had a chance to work with in this last decade. Uh, well, there's been a lot. There's, uh, you know, we've, we've done things with Chris Jansen. John Rich. Everybody says, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Amy Grant is one of our, you know, one of our huge, you know, supporters. I tell you, the real heroes of, you know, Operation Song and of Nashville are absolutely the songwriters. 
You know, I mean, they're the ones behind the stories. They're the ones with the stories. You know, they're often writing about their own lives. And uh, now they get to take that talent and that, and that skill set they've gotten and, you know, write the stories and the lives of these veterans. And it's just incredible. And in fact, that is really what you guys have tapped into with Operation Song, because at its core, at country music's core, is that storytelling, is that is that slice of someone's life that they record, put on a record. And the next thing you know, millions of people are going, man, that's me. That's my life. I know just what you're talking about. And I think with the veteran, it is often difficult to be able to translate our experience to others in the same way that heartbreak or, you know, the joy of living in the country. I mean, like those two things, everyone can kind of understand a veteran's condition. You can't always understand, which is why I think it's important what you do. Before we dive in again deeper to the music, let's chat a little bit about you. Looking at your bio, even you left a couple things just short. And I, you know, I mean, I respect the humility here, but uh, no small achievement. 21 years with the Combat Aviation Brigade of the 101st Airborne Division. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I looked it up and it looks like the Combat Aviation Brigade is Blackhawks and Apaches. And you guys got some seriously cool names, the Avengers. The Executioners, the Lancers, the Phantoms, the Renegades. What is the Combat Aviation Brigade? So, so the Combat Avi- Aviation Brigade of the 101st is the, uh, it's basically, you know, the 101st is, uh, is an air assault division. So, uh, what that means is we use our helicopters and, uh, uh our aviation assets to insert troops into the battlefield to take them out to, uh, you know, destroy the enemy, whatever it takes. Um, but it's a uh, it's the it's the only air assault division in the army, and uh, so the the combat aviation brigade is is basically where the where the where the backbone of the division. I always like to say so. So, uh, what was your MOS or 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 what was your part of that? So I, I started out as a uh, mechanic and crew chief. Um, Quickly got promoted out of working on helicopters and uh, became a, a drill sergeant for three years. Uh, came right back to the 101st and, and became a platoon sergeant and, and, a, and an attack company and, you know, then first sergeant and were, ended up working. Once I got in a leadership position, I did very little work on helicopters anymore, which I kind of missed. But, uh, you know, later in my career, I got into um, UAVs and I was actually first sergeant for uh, uh, the Army's first uh, Sky Warrior. Uh, Alpha UAV company in Afghanistan. UAVs, uh, we're talking drones, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the same as the Predator. You know, the Air Force just wouldn't let us call it Predator, so we had to come up with another name. We called it Sky Warrior. I think it's called something else now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were we were the very first company over there in, in Afghanistan for the Army and uh, operating in country. And um, it was actually a really really gratifying mission. Um, very stressful at times, but there's a lot of rewards to it and a lot of good came out of it. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And that has to be kind of a, I don't know, like a big transition, especially for, you know, you old helicopter dogs and everything, you know, that are, tra- that are used to traditional aviation to know that we're now using unmanned aerial vehicles. We're flying drones with joysticks and you got a couple like engineers and a little boarded up room that nobody can see or get into and and they're working on a laptop i mean that had to feel like a weird way 
to, you know, engage in warfare. <laughs> Man, it, it was really weird. Uh, completely different from what I was used to. And, uh, you know, I, I, I missed, I definitely missed the, you know, the, the Blackhawks and the, you know, and the Chinooks and the Apaches. And, uh, but it was, and it was a, 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 a very steep learning curve. I, I, ha- I received no training, uh, for being the first servant of that company prior to going in, in the, into Afghanistan. But just, I tell you, just so gratifying. You know, because what we did, I mean, our mission was intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, uh, you know, target acquisition and things of that nature. But the rewarding part of it was, is that we were, we we're one, able to find so many, uh, you know, insurgents doing bad things prior to, you know, soldiers on the ground fight, finding them. Um, but we were just able to provide some real time intelligence that, I, you know, I think saved a lot of lives. I know it saved a lot of lives, you know, so. So much is to be appreciated about everything you did there with the Combat Aviation Brigade. And for that matter, the decades those those men and women been doing it, man. I mean, you know, one of my favorite scenes, I think, in Apocalypse is uh, when uh, Flight of the Valkyries playing and you see the helicopter comes zooming in over the beach. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there's nothing, man. There's nothing like riding in a riding in a Blackhawk with the doors open at Nap of the Earth. You know, man, it's just a it's just an incredible feeling. You know. Put on Cywarrop, make it loud. Into the Romeo Foxtrot, shall we dance? And we're back at CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs with ConnectingVets.com. And today we're talking about the power of music from Operation Song. Founded 10 years ago, it pairs together military vets with some of Nashville's greatest songwriters. The founder, Bob Regan, is a Nashville legend. The Grammy-nominated songwriter has penned hits for Reba McIntyre, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Keith Urban. Army veteran, executive director, and a former participant in the program, Mike Byer, explains how the program got its start. Founder Bob Regan, um, you know, it was all his idea. He um, He's in early 2000s. He was uh, doing these armed forces tours, uh, the songwriter shows over in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, after the show, he would, you know, talk to veterans and, and uh, you know, they'd, they'd say, well, I can never write a song. And, you know, Bob was like, wow, you, what you guys have a lot of stories, you know. And so, uh you know, he thought, well, you know, songwriters are natural born storytellers. Why not just pair these two together? So that's, you know, what happened in 2012. He kicked the idea around for a little while and uh, uh, ran it by a few other songwriters to see what they thought of it. Everybody loved the idea and tried to come up with a name. He couldn't think of a good name for it. And his uh, his uh, partner, Miriam Mims, she actually came up with the name Operation Song. And uh, so it, that's how it was started. It was that simple. Uh, and, you know, and Bob did it for many years by himself, you know, just go through his pool of songwriters that he knew because he'd been in Nashville for, you know, 30 plus years. The guy's a hit songwriter, just an incredible, incredible life in Nashville. One of our one of our songwriters at the at the December 5th show, he said, Bob is a, a true music row treasure. And that's absolutely true. He he absolutely is. Uh, stories, man, that guy's got so many stories in Nashville. It's just oh, it's amazing. I, I love to just sit and talk to him. Um, but that's how it started. And, um, you know, Bob would, uh, you know, his, his uh, attitude was to say yes to everything and figure it out as you go along. And he did that for about the first eight years. And I came, I came on around 2019 
and uh, started working for the organization. And uh, yeah, we just we're steadily growing every year. So now, did you go through the program as a veteran yourself? I did. So back in 2014, I got back from Afghanistan. Uh, I ended up getting medically retired from the army, um, which, you know, at the time I was really angry about. I was, you know, I wanted to stay in the army for 30 years. I was going to be a command sergeant major, uh, you know, next promotion board. I knew I was going to make it. And then the army says, well, you gotta, you gotta go, you know, so you're broke. We can't have you anymore. And so, uh, you know, that was a real sting, man, because, you know, I'd put my life into this and, you know, I, you know, I, I'd done what the army wanted me to do. And I'd made being a, a soldier and first sergeant my, you know, identity. And uh, so, you know, to have that just taken away from me is really, I mean, it can be devastating. Um, so I went through the program. I had met Bob. I was in the Warrior Transition Battalion at Fort Campbell. Um, and Bob came through there and he was just doing this little you know, he said, hey, they got this songwriter thing going on. And I was just learning to play guitar at the time. And so I said, well, I'll just go check it out. And, you know, the first time I went, I was like, man, this is it's kind of boring. It was kind of lame. You know, I didn't really like it because um, I didn't see you know, I didn't see the the value in it at the time. But uh, so Bob invited me to uh, a retreat that he was having in Nashville a few months later. And uh, so I go and uh, it just so happened that I just returned the weekend prior to my son's graduation from basic training. Uh, my son graduated at Fort Benning and, uh, you know, he and I, we did not see eye to eye on him joining the military. Uh, it's what he always wanted to do. Uh, you know, he's ever since he's a little kid, you know, anytime I'd go to the field or go to training or something, if I was missing a piece of equipment, I'd go and find it in his room because he's always taking my stuff, you know, so he always wanted to be a soldier. So he joins and, me. and, and, Always wanted to be just like dad. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a good soldier. He's good, doing really well. But, uh, so he, uh, you know, he and I fought, uh, about him joining and right up to the day he left, we fought. And, um, I remember there's this picture of me and him sitting in the MEP center waiting for him to leave and both of us sitting there with our arms crossed looking mad. And, uh, but it was probably about six weeks into basic training. He, he sends me this letter. And he was telling me about his day and, you know, how the drill sergeant smoked him or what he ate in chow hall or whatever. And, uh, but halfway through it, he says, uh, he says, daddy says, you know, I just want to apologize for all the fighting we did. He said, he says, I know what you're trying to tell me because I understand. And he says, but he says, I know you're on terminal leave right now and you're not going to wear a uniform again. He said, but I want you to wear it one last time for me and present me my infantry cord at basic training graduation. So, man, that talk about uh, talk about an emotional time. Um, I didn't go to my retirement ceremony at the time. My the commanding general said, uh, you know, every every retiring soldier will go to a retirement ceremony. I was so angry at the army. I said, I'm not going to do it. I disobeyed the commanding general. Um, and so, you know, I go to my son's graduation. I'm standing there in my uniform. Uh, we're both standing there together. It was really like a passing of the torch moments. Uh, both of us crying, you know, like a couple Air Force guys, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we're, you know, give each other a hug. And, and he literally says to me, he says, he says, dad, I don't know you didn't. He says, I know you weren't ready for this. He says, but it's my turn now. And, uh, you know, so that for me, that became my retirement ceremony, that moment right there. 
So I, I don't have very many pictures of my army career, which I regret. Um, but that one picture there is the one I'm most proud of. Um, so fast forward to that, I go to, uh, this retreat the following weekend and, uh, I go in and Bob sits me down with two songwriters who are just incredible, a guy named Mark Beeson and Travis Meadows. Uh, Travis has written some huge hits uh, for just about everybody. And I, and I don't know these guys. I didn't know anything about songwriters or who, you know, what they've done. And so uh, I think it was Mark or Travis, one of them, they asked me, you know, well, tell me your, tell me about your career. And so I started, you know, giving them my elevator pitch in my 21 years and, Travis says, wait a second. He says, you got a son in the army? I said, yeah. And he, and, uh, he goes, well, tell me about that. So I start telling him about the graduation we just came from. And, uh, you know, he's, he's over there writing in his notebook. Mark is listening intently, making eye contact. And Travis is over there just writing in his notebook. And at first I didn't even realize what he was doing. I thought, well, he just asked me a question. He's not even listening to me. It's kind of rude, you know, but you know, he was listening to every single word I said. And, uh, so he's, he's just writing it down word for word, exactly what I said. And probably in the span of about 45 minutes to an hour later, without ever having picked up the guitar once, sing it, sang a melody, nothing. He had taken my exact words and put them in a verse and chorus and sang this song first time, just like that. It was perfect. I can't live his life for him, but it helped me understand. Day I looked into his eyes and watched my boy become a man. This name I'm passing down. This flame won't go out. And it blew me away. I just I sat there and I'm just bawling. Uh, still makes me emotional thinking about it. And uh, but I, I realized for me it was. You know, I was struggling, still trying to figure, still trying to cope with the fact that the army kicked me out, you know, kicked me to the curb after all I'd done for them. Now they don't need me anymore. Uh, but that really helped me through focus through that time and, you know, get to the point where I could tell myself, you know, I was a soldier and a first sergeant, but that's what I did. It's not who I am. And so it put me on the path of trying to figure out just who I am again, because I've I hid that person for 21 years, you know. And uh, so it, it was a it was a long path uh, to discovery again, but it was a good one. And uh, one I'm, I'm glad I was able to take. And uh, I don't think I'd have been able to do that without a person song. Um, in fact, I, you know, I, I've told Bob this before, but uh, I don't think I probably would have lived the next five years. Because uh, there was one point in time where I, you know, I sat there with my gun in my hand, you know. One pair of boots will face the fire, the other pair will lower the wire. Yeah, my old pair is going over the wire. But yeah, so that's, you know, I became a true believer in, in, in the in the power of this and, and what it does. And uh, so Bob and I became good friends. Love that. Let's talk about the songs. Um, of course, we just heard about the story of yours and 
do you know the ones that are on your webpage by any chance? If I just kind of brought up the one about good co-pilot, does that ring a bell to you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a World War II era story and good co-pilot, but it's about a guy who was a pilot as a teenager and ran away to join the war basically because he was so compelled to join the fight against the Nazis. And it turned into this. I mean, like in four minutes, you hear this guy's whole life. It is beautiful. Share with me a little bit about Good Co-Pilot. Yeah, so Good Co-Pilot was written with uh, World War II and Korean veteran uh, Richard Stroud uh, and Steve Williams. Steve Williams was our, our Nashville songwriter. He uh, His big hit was uh, Redneck Yacht Club for Craig Morgan. And uh, But I'd tell you that that is one of my favorite songs as well. We actually played that. Uh, he, Steve sang that uh, at the December 5th show. Uh, and everybody, everybody loves that song. Uh, but we actually got to go down and interview Richard. Uh, part of our World War II, what we call our World War II preservation project is, um, we not only write with these veterans, but we try to go and actually do a video interview with them to capture more of their story. And, uh, man, let me tell you what a treat talking to Richard. Um, very, you know, still very articulate, remembers everything, remembers the smallest details, people's names. Uh, I can't even remember soldiers that served for me in Afghanistan and Iraq at the time. And this guy can remember, you know, Joe from 1945, you know, and just incredible. Uh, but the thing that, uh, you know, the interview was easy. We just started out and I just, you know, you know, asked him one question and he took off and just talked for like the next two hours. Uh, but Richard's, so Richard's story, you know, he starts off with, um, you know, him being a kid and, you know, this crop duster comes and lands in his dad's field and the guy takes him up and he's, you know, and flies and he's hooked after that. You know, the guy actually even lets him fly the plane, you know, uh, as a young kid. And so he's hooked. He wants to, you know, wants to be a pilot. Um, so he actually, he actually joins up at the end of World War II. And he's headed over to Japan uh, to fight and to fly. Uh, and then the war, you know, of course, the war ends. And so he always he always, you know, like a lot of World War Two veterans I've heard of, uh, you know, they always say that, uh, you know, yeah, Hirohito or whoever thought I heard I was coming over. So that's why, he, you know, surrendered. But... My name is Richard Phillips Crowd Senior Pilot I was born in Bottom, Texas, 1926. At 15, I soloed in a Piper Club airplane and uh, joined the Navy when I was 17 during World War II. How do you fly a Piper Cub? You're 15, not old enough. Speed down the runway and lift her up. Said, how you do it? How'd you join? Where did you sign? Lay your life on the line. You turned 17, never looked behind. Like nothing to it. One day you saw Pacific Bound. But his, you know, his story then progresses into his, into his, uh, you know, he continued in the military and um, he fought in Korea and is actually his mission in Korea. Uh, he didn't even actually go to Korea. 
what he did though was uh he, he had a very secret mission that he couldn't talk about for uh over 50 years uh which was they were patrolling the east coast of America um because Russia was dropping off spies on our coast and uh you know they drop these spies off they'd swim to shore they'd do their mission they'd come back and pick them up and uh he couldn't talk about this for 50 years and he still can't he still can't say whether or not they sunk any Russian subs. Uh, but when I asked him that directly, he kind of just, you know, he smiled and he said, yeah, I can't tell you that, you know? So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just a very secret mission that a lot of people still don't know about. Uh, but, you know, thankfully it was happening, uh, you know, cause there was a real threat there off our East coast. Um, but there was a time in his story where, um, you know, there was a hurricane and, you know, he was running low on fuel. Uh, and so he had to go land back on the ship. So he had seven attempts to try to land on the ship. If after, if he didn't make it on the seventh attempt, then he was going to have to ditch it in the ocean and probably would have been lost. Uh, there's, you know, 40 foot waves breaking over the bow of the ship. It's tossing and turning. Um, you know, they don't have GPS or didn't have GPS like, like they do, uh, today. And I'll tell you another story about Richard that, uh, based on that, but. So he comes in six times. I wave him off. He misses the cable. Seventh time he comes around, he catches the, the very last cable on the ship. Um, you know, and, and so he, he sticks the landing and crews rush out there and they're trying to lash down the plane because it's tossing down. He's re- the plane's ready, almost ready to fall overboard. So they finally get him out, lash down the plane. The, the, uh, admiral of the fleet, I guess, was on his ship at the time and comes up and he, he said, son, he goes, I tell you, I wrote you off hours ago. He goes, I didn't think you were going to make it. He goes, that was some really good flying. And, uh, he says, he says, well, sir, he said, uh, he said, that wasn't me flying today. He said, that was my co-pilot. And the admiral says, son, he says, you know, single engine aircraft, you ain't no co-pilot in there. And he goes, there was today. And he points up like that. So, uh, that ended up, of course, Steve, picked up on that right away and he goes, that's our song right there. Uh, and just an incredible song, just an incredible man. Even the life he lived after the war, um, you know, the things that he did, he's just, just a great American, but, you know, back to that GPS thing, I, I asked him, I said, you know, cause I, you know, I've flown around in, in, in helicopters. I know, you know, we barely can get around if we don't have our GPS on the battlefield. And I said, you know, Richard, how did you find a ship in the middle of the ocean that was blacked out at night. How did you find your way back to the ship? I mean, it's like finding a, a, a dot on a map, you know, in a sea of dots, you know, and, and, uh, so this is how, you know, clear headed he was and, and how he still remembered everything. He goes back to this table. It's got some stuff on it. He brings out his pilot's kneeboard that he still has, you know, our kneeboards that we have pilots nowadays, they're all digital and everything. This was like a protractor, man. He had to do like serious math to survive, you know? Um, so he brings this, he brings this kneeboard out. He goes, well, this is how I did it. He says, you know, the ship would send out a Morse code signal in all the cardinal directions. And, you know, it was, you know, if I picked up on, you know, Morse code uh, alpha, you know, I'd follow that signal in on that heading. And then when I got to the ship, you know, I couldn't see the ship still. He says, but, you know, because the radio signal is a cone of silence above it. So he goes, as soon as the signal would stop, he goes, I know I'm above the ship. And so then I just circle down 
until I could see the ship and then I'd come to land. And I said, and you did that every time. He goes, every single time. He goes, I did it hundreds, thousands of times, you know? And, uh, I just, it's incredible to look back and think about, you know, just how intelligent they had to be, you know, I mean, today's, you know, our, our soldiers are still, we're intelligent and we're great war fighters, but we have so much technology to make things easy for us. If you had to ask me to do some kind of math like that to, to find my way back, I'd have never got back, you know, Right. <laughs> but these guys were so, they were so smart. They were so intelligent. They were just brave as hell, you know? Yeah. But he had just so, cool. many stories, so many cool stories. You're playing on the seats one man You just smile and point a little higher And say any way the wind blows You gotta have a good cold pie You know any way the wind blows You gotta have a good cold pie Hey, let's talk about one other story on the website there. Again, uh, this is Operation Song. And it's the way veterans who are not songwriters, who are have no aspirations of being, you know, the next country star. They they literally come to Operation Song as as just a way to process and help take some of their life experiences and do something with it that psychology can't do, that pharmaceuticals can't do. And I know all of our friends always want that, you know, that cool story. Tell me that. Tell me that moment. What was it like over there? That like, aha, no S, there I was in the thick of it with my M240. And and and, and everybody wants to know kind of what that's like. And it's a tough one to share because a lot of times we're at a loss for words. A lot of times it's a blur in our own mind or the veteran themselves is maybe focused on, you know, a not so savory outcome of that scenario. And we just want our friends and families kind of want the Hollywood optics. Yeah. But through a songwriter, you guys have even been able to process some of those memories. And I want to say that this is not the saddest song I've heard. This is actually, this is kind of a cool song, but there's one called machine gunner where the guy literally talks about what it was like to be strapped with that much lead walking on a patrol. Share with me a little bit about the song machine gunner. Yeah, so I this this song was actually written before I came on board, but I'm familiar with the song and um it was written with uh, uh I don't remember the the veteran's name, he's a Marine Corps veteran, but the songwriter was Jason Seaver. But this guy, you know, he was he was he was like all Marines, man. He was proud of his service and rightly so and uh and he he wanted to write something that, you know, one made him proud of his of his service, but also uh you know, was, was, he goes, I want this to be like a rock song. I want this to be badass, you know, cause that's what I was, you know? And so, um, yeah, just a really good song, but it's been one of our, one of our more popular songs because, uh, I mean, you know, whether you're in the army, or the Marine Corps, I mean, you know, at some point in your young career, you're going to be the, you're the machine gunner cause you got to carry something heavy, you know, when you're a young soldier, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's one we can all, you know, the thing, the thing about a lot of these songs that I love, uh, is that, 
you know, whether you think it's just your story or whether you think you don't even have a story, you know, songs like that, like Machine Gun or songs like um, Even Devil Don't Want Me or, uh, you know, a song like uh, with Gold Star Mom, uh, Mary Byers, Love JT, you know, all of these songs have elements in them and things that we all relate to, you know, because we have so many shared experiences, you know, even even, you know, an army guy and a Navy guy, there's, there's shared experiences in there just being in the military, you know? Uh, and so that's what I love about it is that so many times the veteran thinks that nah, nobody's really going to care about my story or I, I really don't have a story, but they do, you know, and they find that their story touches so many more people than just themselves, uh, not just veterans, but their families, you know, their families learn a side of them that they, may have never been told or even understood. You know, a lot of our older veterans, you know, when their songs get written, their families hear it. They say, you know, I, I never understood that about my dad, but that makes so much sense now, you know, uh, because he never talked about it. And uh, so, yeah, Machine Gunner is one of those, one of those stories that, you know, makes you, makes you, you know, it's kind of that pump you up, badass kind of song that makes you feel good about, you know, what you were doing. With a helmet on my head Slick 240 Bravo Chain of bullets belt fed I hear them but I ain't seen them yet Better watch it, gotta mind my step Cause that road spits thunder Best to walk it on the edge It's hard to find cover in a poppy field But I sure as hell ain't no runner Machine gunner bullets fly through your night brain Super fight to or die another camp My desk is a rock Where the drug lords cut up millions My pen is a 7.62 round That'll cut them down in an instant Point, click, pull the trigger To the tune of falling brass Pull benefits in a purple heart Russian-made bullet in my back Raining down there Punching that clock Get them boys and laying down Cover machine Firefly bullets fly Day and night brain Super fight Do or die Another campaign Shots echo through the valley And again Four minutes, four and a half minutes there Encapsulates an entire memory An entire span of time for him yeah. And uh, And and gives release, lets him enjoy part of the moment that made it sweet and not all bitter. I mean, that, that's that's what a song can do. And again, I've yet to find a drug that'll do that. Yeah, you know, not for lack of trying. And um, you know, and you know, that's the great thing about this is I, I say this a lot too because I I don't discount therapy in any way. I've been to my share of therapists, but you know, often the problem the problem is that. A lot of times you got to talk, you know, you go in one week and you go in the next and you're talking to a different therapist, you know, there's not the same person. Uh, and when I come out of there, all they did is give me a prescription and give me another appointment. And the problem there is I'm, you know, I'm not solving or fixing anything, but when you come out of operation song, you come out of the, out of it that day with a tangible product. And that's that song. And, you know, we always try to incorporate, no matter what the story is, we always try to incorporate hope into it. You know, 
some sense of pride, some sense of self and, and honor that story. And there's just there, you're absolutely right. There's no drug that can do that. You know, um, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, what, what it is about music that I don't know, maybe increases dopamine in our brains or something or releases endorphins, but it's, it's just something incredible about it. And, you know, we've, we've seen it over 1300 times, just, you know, change people's lives. So. Uh, if I'm a veteran and I want to get involved, I, you know, want to take some of my mixed memories there and put them into, you know, masterful musical works. Uh, how do I get that done? That's real easy. So you can go to our website and uh, reach out to us there. But uh, the easiest way is just email us at contact at operationsong.org. And, um, you know, just uh, give us a, a quick, you know, little bio of yourself. Um and uh we'll get you set up with a songwriter it's really it's really simple you don't have to you know a lot of our retreats that we do you know we partner with an organization and that's so we get the veterans from their population uh, but veterans that aren't part of that specific organization they can reach out to us through that email uh, and we'll write with them via zoom or skype or phone call uh, or even if they're you know local to the nashville area we can arrange for them to meet up with a songwriter oh that is absolutely awesome Mike Beyer, Combat Aviation Brigade Army veteran. I uh, love what you're doing, man. Love what you're doing because you did this first as a veteran. And yeah. now, you know, you help run the program for veterans everywhere. Uh, just so cool to hear your story, to hear the stories woven into this music. And again, that's operationsong.org if you want more information on that. Great to get to know you, Mike, man. Thank you so much for everything you've done and uh, everything you continue to do with Operation Song. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. 
Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.